Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamp, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 365 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by former heavyweight world title challenger, my co-host, my main man, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, my man? I'm doing good. How about you, my man? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. We're going to dive straight into the review part of the show here. We're going to dive straight in. This one took place at the White Sands Event Center in Plant City, Florida, USA, over here. Um, Kanzu returned to the ring for the first time. I think he'd been out of it about a year, maybe a year, 13, 14 months, something like that. He returned after being knocked out by Lee Wood, um, 18 and 3. He's now 18 and 4. He lost a shock split decision over 10 rounds to Brandon Benitez, who's now 19 and 2. I didn't see the fight, but that's a shocking result there. Also on the undercard, Kana Islam picked up win number 29. He's got the one loss. That was a unanimous decision there over eight rounds against Javier Maciel, who's now 34 and 18. Maciel down in the eighth and final round. Um, That's it for that one. Moving out now to the Newcastle Entertainment Centre in Broadmeadow, Newcastle, New South Wales, Australia. Over here, just one fight really to mention. Friend of the show, Sam Eggington, was having his 40th career fight. He's now 32-8. and eight. He lost a majority decision over 12 rounds to Dennis Hogan, who's now 31-4 and four with a draw. It was for the IBO World Super Welterweight title. Um, yeah, shock for me, because I said it on last week's show, it doesn't really matter who Sam Eggington fights. He's always involved in a brilliant fight. And it's almost as if I jinxed it, because I've never... Um, um, I guess I was going to say never said that before. Of course I've said that before. I probably say it every single time. But I said it like it's a given. He's just going to always be in a firefight. And it wasn't the case here. I felt that um, Dennis Hogan, um, you know, had worked on a really good game plan, I guess, with his with his corner, his team. And um, I thought that his feet being so much quicker than Sam's was just the key, really, to victory. He was able to just land his shots, get in and out, and Sam Eggington seemed at times like he was, you know, dragging um, concrete slabs, you know, um, by his ankles. You know, he was so slow, like fighting in quicksand, as they say. Much better uh, saying. And, um, yeah, he just wasn't able to really put the pressure on and put his punches together. I'm not sure what happened. I don't think his team were expecting Dennis Hogan at about 37 years of age to be able to go 12 hard rounds. The problem is he didn't have to do any hard rounds and um he he got through the fight with relative ease to be honest with you so it wasn't a hard grueling fight like we usually see sam eggington's opponents have to deal with this time it was pretty much a walk in the park and i don't even think it was close i was quite surprised to see it ended with a with a majority decision 
Um, devastation for Sam Eggington, you know. I don't know what he does after this. He loses the IBO um, World Super Worldweight title, even though it's not a proper world title. But still, it's nonetheless, you know, a, a decent belt in the grand scheme of things. So, yeah, he's been dethroned of that. And he's had 40 career fights now, Sam Eggington. You know, he's been around forever. I don't know what happens next for him, but yeah, he just seemed like he had maybe grown old overnight or something. But yeah, Dennis Hogan, very, very impressed with his performance. Um, moving out now to the Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California, USA. Over here, let's start with the main event. Sebastian Fundora now 20-0 and with a draw. He did go the distance over 12 rounds against Carlos Ocampo, a man that Errol Spence stopped in just one round a few years back. He's now 34-2. and two. It was for the WBC Interim World Super Welterweight title. I've got to be totally honest, I was falling asleep during this one. I think I fell asleep about five times during the fight. I kept kind of like, <laughs> I would like go to snore just one time and then wake wake up automatically and then be like, wait, what, what have I missed? So I kept falling asleep for about five seconds at a time. I was absolutely dog-tired staying up. I think I was awake early in the morning and then that fight just really seemed to drag. And to be honest, the entire card seemed to drag, you know. Almost every single fight went a distance on the card and it was a late, late night, obviously, um, you know, for the, for the UK uh, viewers and yeah I, I I honestly can't really remember much of that fight and I can't add much to it I'm guessing you probably didn't see that card at all Eddie you know I did um, I saw like little bits and pieces of it but I couldn't I, try, I was trying to find it I, could, I couldn't get it I couldn't get it man I'm, I'm, I apologize <laughs> but um, right. yeah but uh, yeah <laughs> once again I'm he was not in a dull fight. I know that for a fact. Yeah, I mean, I wish it was enough to keep me awake. I kept falling asleep, like I say. But anyway, I'll, I'll talk <laughs> about the undercard, which I was um, definitely awake for. Um, yeah, again, another fight that went the distance. Fernando Daniel Martinez, back-to-back -back wins now against Jerwin and Cajas. He's now 15-0. and And yeah, that's two out of two wins for him. And Cajas is almost frozen out, 33-3 and with two draws. It was for the IBF World Super Flyweight title, and Cajas cut on the left eyebrow from an accidental headbutt in round seven, but but um, wider this time, I think, for Martinez. So, yeah, I think he's proven he is the better fighter now over 24 rounds. On the undercard, Carlos Adames now 22-1. and one. I actually thought this one could go the distance. Um, you got good money, good price on, on the fight to go the distance, and it didn't go a distance. A third round KO for Adames. The only fight I I, I wanted to go the distance. Obviously, he, he did well there to get him out in, in just three rounds. Montiel um, in the other corner. Juan Macias Montiel. Um, I think had gone the distance with one of the Charlos um, within the last 12 months. Something like that. So that's quite impressive for Adames to stop him in three rounds. That one was for the WBC Interim World Middleweight title. I want to say that... Um, Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure that was that Damage. I think Adames was down at 154 at some point. Seems like he's now at 160. Montiel though, 24 or sorry, 23 and six with two draws. Um, Carlos Adames, like I say, 22 and one. Um, on the undercard once again, Gabriela Fundora. That is the sister of uh, the man in the main event, Sebastian Fundora. Um, she is. She's. 
I can't, I can't remember how tall she is now, but I think they were saying um, her height, and if I'm not mistaken, she's a lot shorter than I thought she was. Ah, oh, I could be making that up. Anyways, whatever. She's now nine and zero. A unanimous decision there over ten two-minute rounds for the for the uh, WBC Latino flyweight title against Naomi Reyes, who's now ten and uh, not ten nine and two. A lot of people were back in Fundora for the stoppage there as well, and yeah, it went the distance once again. Um, like I say, almost every fight on the card, I think, went the distance. Maybe one didn't. This is another one that went the distance. Um, Igis Kavalowskis, the meme machine, now 23-2 and with a draw. He was able to beat unanimously over 10 rounds. Michael Fox, friend of the show, um, who's now 22-4. and Michael Fox down twice in round three. Scores in the end of, uh, of the bout. I can't remember what they were now, but they were very, very wide in the end. And... Yeah, I don't have too many complaints. Um, first round, I felt that Kavalowskis, I noticed, either looked cut slightly or had bad grazing on his left eye. Um, it was mostly a jab fest in the first round. It was a feel-out. A couple of meaty hooks landed for the mean machine. I thought he nicked the round just about. Round two, I felt that Mike was doing really well. He was displaying great footwork. He was popping out the jab, working his way uh, to winning the round, but then, of course, gets caught with a big shot. About 25 seconds to go, and it buckled his legs and probably lost him the round, so I gave that one to the Mean Machine again. Um, round three, that's where we saw two knockdowns for the Mean Machine. The first one, Fox was down from an accumulation, really, of shots. He was he was trying to hold on. It was really scrappy, really messy. He couldn't quite get a grip of the Mean Machine to turn it into a clinch, and, you know, down he went. And Mean Machine was just throwing hands from all angles. Um, both knockdowns were very, very similar, very scrappy, messy, you know few hard clean punches got through but hard to see what was what and what the what was the damaging blow really um yeah fox did of course get back up both times the second time i felt it was a bit shaky but he did get his feet back together um towards the end of the round you know and finished the round quite well actually but obviously lost it 10-7 um round four a much better round for michael fox i felt that he should have been doubling up the jab. He was just seeming at times to unfortunately just throw one here and there. And it wasn't doing much in terms of getting the judge's attention. It was a decent round. Um, he didn't get hit clean at all. I felt that Fox did nick the round. Um, round five I also gave to Fox. He was just nicking the round for me. Um, still I felt he was using up a little bit too much energy with his movement. And still just throwing singular shots. He was being stalked by Kavalowskis who... Thankfully, had much slower feet than Fox, but he was just allowing Kavalowskis to walk into range, like I say, not doubling up the jab, throwing out a singular jab here and there, and it just wasn't enough to keep him off um, and keep him at range at all, which, of course, you need to do with Mean Machine, and you need to do anyway when you've got such a superior um, you know, reach and height advantage over your opponent. Round six was a really close round. It could have gone either way. I think I just about edged it to the mean machine. Round seven I gave to Michael Fox. I liked his work. Kavalowskis was slowing, perhaps just a fraction, and Fox was getting into a little bit of a groove, but I did feel it was a bit too little too late. I did give round eight to Fox as well, so... Um, so yeah, you know, he was doing well to come back after being dropped twice, and he did start throwing one-twos and doubling up the jab a little bit, which I thought, great, fantastic, we need to see more of this, but again, a little bit too little too late, um, he had, I think, more in the tank than Kavalowskis at this point, but he still needed to 
to um, up the pace. Round 9 was a close one, but I gave it to Kavalowskis just about. And then round 10, I gave to Kavalowskis. My card in the end, um, 96-92. Um, I felt that Mike, you know, put in a good effort, but he just didn't do enough. And Kavalowskis definitely um, had issues with the height of Fox. But, you know, it wasn't as hard for him, I don't think, as it should have been and could have been. I think Michael... Let himself down a little bit, and obviously, you know, I've spoke to him since. He's he's okay, which is great, and um, yeah, lovely guy, as as I'm sure our listeners know. Um, not many people go the distance against Kavalowskis. He was one of them. Um, even though he, he was down twice, got back up both times in that round, managed to win a bunch of rounds, and um, yeah, even though the score from myself looks a bit wide there, I think I had it probably closer than the judges. Um, but yeah, I I, I, um, I want to just calculate how many rounds I actually gave him if I ignore those knockdowns, um, just to see out of curiosity. Um, my mathematics hat isn't on at the minute, but my scorecard. Just want to look at it one more time. I gave Fox four of the of the ten rounds, but obviously there was a ten seven in there as well the other way. Okay, all right, moving on. Uh, that is that card there. Um, at the Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California. So let's move now to... No, actually, that's everything. No, that is everything. Um, yeah, I was about to move to a card that didn't take place. That card, of course, was the Connor Ben and Chris Eubank Jr. card, which was really a great shame that it fell through. Um, still, we're kind of unsure on what's going on, and I'm not, I'm not one of them people that likes to just have a massive discussion when I'm a little bit ill-informed and there's so much speculation, so much finger-pointing. I can't be bothered. I think Eddie probably agrees. We're not going to get into a big um, discussion about what could have happened, what should have happened, what should happen going forward, what's going to happen. No one knows. We're going to, I guess, wait and see. Money talks. Um, we're going to see. But yeah, it was a shame that that fight fell through because it was massive over here in the UK. But... Um, yeah, you've unmuted yourself, Eddie. Did you want to say something before we bring our guest in? Yeah, yeah, I was actually really, really looking forward to that, actually. You know, it seemed like a very interesting matchup. I mean, it's a fantasy fight for the fans who who were fans or even knew of uh, Nigel Ben, Chris Eubank. Uh, it was just nice kind of thing to, to kind of have to look forward to in boxing. It was something different. But, you know, at the same time, uh, uh, I think it would have been something interesting. It could have been a fight that, that uh, could have done obviously would have done some numbers over there, but but also might have had some interesting uh, results in it. You know, what I mean, I think you know Connor Ben has shown a lot of improvement. He's gotten so much better, but when you're trying to go what a, a weight class or two weight classes up to fight to fight a guy who's been at the weight for most of his career, strong, athletic guy, it's an uphill battle. So I mean, it would have been interesting to see, but it's unfortunate and it's unfortunate that it didn't happen, but. Yeah, we can only speculate up to this point to what's going to happen in the future. So, yeah, we don't need to go too deep into it. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And just before we wrap up part one, the final thing for me to do is to welcome this week's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated middleweight prospect. It is, of course, Mr. Bradley the Stingray. Brad, welcome back on the show, my man. Cheers for having me back, mate. Always a pleasure having you on, Brad. It really is. So we last spoke back in February, um, quite a long time ago. It's gone quite quick. It was fight week for your fight on the Calm Brook undercard. 
that was the night, of course, you, you scored that first round stoppage over Craig McCarthy, a brilliant shot to finish things at the MEN um, on a massive show. It couldn't have gone much better, could it? No, no, it was a, it was a dream night for me, mate. It was um, the the dream scenario that had gone over in my head so many times, you know, on, on the big stage at Manchester Arena. And, you know, I couldn't have, uh, couldn't have wished for a better finish, really. And since then, you have boxed twice. Um, you beat Lucas and Defaluma, I think it's said, over eight rounds. No, that, that was a good effort, that. That was a very good effort. <laughs> I'd like to see you have a go. Go on, let's hear you say it. <laughs> I, I've got it, but Undofaluma. Oh, my God, you've blown me out the water there, man. I thought it was going to... I've got it boxed off now. I've tried to say his name so many times. I thought, I better get this bang on. <laughs> get up there, that was perfect. But, yeah, you had him down, but he did tough it out. He went the distance in the end. Um, a lesson learnt maybe in that fight somewhere, Brad? Yeah, definitely. You know, he he was a seasoned operator and Doffaluma, and you know he was he'd been in there at a good level. He'd done ten, twelve round multiple occasions, and you know it it was a risky fight to take. You know, a few people were kind of advising me not to take the fight because um, it was dangerous. It was dangerous, but like you say, I think it was a, a good learning fight for me. Got some valuable rounds in and. You know, another another good scalp to add to my record. And then, obviously, your most recent fight against Angel Emelov in Hull back in July. Another six rounds banked. Um, I don't think I saw that one, to be honest with you. Tell me about that one, being your most recent, Brad. Yeah, so it was um, when... So the show that we're on now, when the Huey Fiore show was supposed to be in Manchester. Yeah. And, obviously, the show got postponed. Um, my manager Steve Wood had a small hall show that weekend in Hull, and um, you know I asked him maybe if, if he could put me on the show. He pulled a few strings, and you know he just got me out in the sixth rounder just to keep me busy, so so that my training camp didn't go to waste. Um, so again, just staying active, just staying active, and I knew that the summer was coming up, and I was probably going to have a little bit of a break. So it was nice. You know, just to get out before before the summer, and you know, me, me manager Steve would kind of kind of pulled some strings for me there and done me a favour. No, nice man, nice. And obviously, your next fight's been announced. You'll be boxing Tyler Denny November twelfth back at the MEN. It's shaping up to be a really really good card. Actually, um, I'm thoroughly looking forward to it. Would you say that on paper, Denny has to be your toughest test to date? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt, you know, I think. Denny's a very, very good fighter, and I think he he's actually above kind of English level. You know, I think people have won English titles against lesser opponents than Tyler Denny. You know, I think I think he's he's kind of knocking on the door of you know that Commonwealth British kind of kind of level. Um, but you know, for me, I've always said when I'm ready for a title, I'm ready for a title, and whoever's Whoever's got that, you know, he's in my way. Um, it's, it's, you know, nothing personal. You know, uh, I, I've not been calling out um, Tyler Denny. You know, I've been saying I want a shot at his belt. And, you know, hopefully we're going to have some news on that soon to announce. And hopefully, um, yeah, things are going to be, we're going to get the thumbs up for November 12th. I was just going to say that kind of brings me on to my next question. I was going to say I couldn't really see anywhere online that stated the amount of rounds. I'm guessing that's not finalised yet. Uh, so it's 10-rounder. 
Oh, it's 10. a ten rounder, okay. yeah. Um, which you know, it's going to be my first ten rounder. Yeah. Tyler's Tyler's done the ten times, multiple times. Yeah. Um, like you say, he's, he's he's quite a seasoned pro now. You know, he's been in some tough fights, been in there at a good level. Um, he's shown he's not he's not scared. You know, his his last four fights have been in with undefeated opponents. You know, this guy's not scared to fight anyone and maybe would have been scared to fight me. So, you know, I think it's, like you say, it's going to be my toughest test, but it's a test that I'm confident I'm going to come through and, you know, I'll have my, I'll have my hand raised on the night. Yeah, he's actually done 10 rounds in three of his last four fights. So, yeah, he's certainly done a lot of rounds, obviously, as a pro. Um, you're not really both... I think I should rephrase that. You're, you're both not really known for knockouts. I mean, he's obviously not stopped anyone just yet. On paper, it looks like a distance fight all day long. But you've got a habit of getting in with a guy and we think, oh, this, this is probably going to go the distance. Then we see like a first round knockout or something. <laughs> so how do you see it playing out, Brad? Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm more than prepared for the 10 rounds. If this is going to go 10 rounds, you know, although I've not done the rounds before, you know, I'm confident that it's going to be me, the back end of this fight, he's pushing on. Um, you know, I think, although he's done the rounds before, you know, I think the the, the longer distance fights are really going to suit me. Um, but like you say, you know, I, I know I've got it in me. I, I, I know, you know, I might not be known as a big puncher, but I know I've got it in me that if I land clean or if I have him hurt at any point, I know that I can take him out, you know. And um, so... Like you say, you know, I'm prepared, I'm ready for a tough 10-round fight. But if the opportunity comes up, you know, I'll be putting my foot on the gas and I'll be trying to get him out of there. Yeah, because it's a mad thing. It's like you're 14-0, five KOs, but all five come uh, within three rounds, which is kind of strange. Really, you'd think, okay, maybe you're a guy that obviously you know, isn't known as a big banger and then as it goes on, as the fight goes on, maybe you stop them late, but you stop them like you're a puncher at times as well. It's like it depends what kind of mood you're in. Um, it's a weird one. It's, it's yeah, a... it depends on what side of the bed you know, I'll roll out of in the morning, whether I want to be a puncher or not. <laughs> it's, it's a good domestic fight, obviously. I think you, you touched on it as well. It's a step in the right direction, really, as well, for career progression for you. And we all love a domestic dust-up, and there are some great names at middleweight. You know, um, There's some fantastic names, actually, at middleweight, obviously. Uh, the likes of, you know, the uh, the Felix Cashiers, the Kieran Conways, the Hamza Shirazes, the Danny Dignams, and so on. One guy that I intentionally just left out, Denzel Bentley. After beating uh, Marcus Morrison, a man from your neck of the woods, he's taking that massive jump up in class against Zanebek Alim Kanuli. There's one for my uh, pronunciation. <laughs> but you've got to give him a lot of credit for taking this fight. It's a massive jump up. How much of a chance do you give him, Brad? I know that you're a bit of a boxing nut. You know probably Alim Kanuli better than most. Yeah, you know, it's a massive jump up in class. A massive jump up. And, you know, Bentley's a very, very good fighter. Um, he's powerful. He can be awkward. He can, you know, hit. He's quite accurate as well. So, you know, he'll hit you hard and he'll hit you often and he'll hit you a lot, which is very hard to deal with. Um, but Jambiak is, for me, he's kind of that danger man in that division. Um, and I think, you know, Bentley might have got that shot because nobody else wanted to fight. You know, nobody, you know, people are swerving him um, and you don't blame him. 
you really don't blame him. He, he's a dangerous, dangerous man. Um, Bentley's, like I said, he's a big hitter. You know, he, he's got a puncher's chance, but unfortunately, you know, I, I just can't. I think Jambier's class will just shine through. Yeah, we saw, obviously, Danny Dignam try. And, um, yeah, but no, I think Bentley... Um... You know, you've got to take your hat off to him. And obviously, you know, it's, it's a shame that when he lost to Felix Cash in the fashion he lost to him, I think a lot of people kind of just washed their hands with him. And that was like the end of it. You know, a lot of people thought, oh, I'm not so sure. And obviously, he's come back really strong, beating Linus Shudofia and then obviously Marcus Morrison. Um, Boxer, your, 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 your promotion team, they've got a good all women's card this, this weekend. Are you going to be watching that one, Brad? Yeah, I will be watching, mate. I'll be tuning in Saturday night up after a tough week of training and that's my weekend sorted out but no, I'm really looking forward to it um, some good fights on the card but you know I'm rooting rooting for Savannah hoping Savannah gets the job done and you know um, I'm, I'm confident she will you know I'm confident she will as, as good as Shield did um, I can just see Savannah landing something clean and you know she's such a such a dangerous finisher once she has someone going, you know, she she really knows how to kind of take the shots that, that are going to finish a fight and, you know, I think at some point she's going to land clean on shields and hopefully she'll be able to to get the stoppage. Wow, that's a big call. Yeah, I, I think Savannah wins. I do yeah, think I think, it, I think it's uh, unpopular. Yeah. I think it's an unpopular opinion but, you know, I, I don't know whether I've just got my team Savannah hat on and you know, I'm I'm being a bit biased because, you know, I really, really like Savannah and Peter and, you know, I think they're a great team and I want them to win. Um, but I, 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 am a, I really do think that they can pull it off. Yeah, I think Savannah will win, like I say. Um, the stoppage, obviously, will be unbelievable. I can't see Shields uh, winning on points over here, I don't think. Um, I don't know, I just think she'll do well to win on the, on points over here, and she's obviously not a big puncher. But I do have a slight soft spot for Clarissa Shields because she's been on the show um, numerous times in the past, and there was one occasion where we sang a duet during an interview, so she's kind of got a... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's really good. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you're getting nothing out on me. You're dropping hints there. Damn! <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I... I... I'm so hit and miss on, on Shields because I see her in interviews, I see her at press conferences, and I just think she is not my type of person. You know, I, I can't give her the time of the day. And then I've seen clips of her kind of when the cameras aren't about, and I think she seems quite genuine and she seems okay. Yeah. But I, I don't know. That stuff just sells in boxing, don't it? People, people like like seeing that stuff, and it makes them tune in on fights, but it's just not my cup of tea, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I understand that. And just finally, Brad, before we let you go, if you've got any closing words at all for the listeners, um, say whatever you like before we wrap it up, man. Yeah, you know, just big thank, thank you to everyone for the continued support. And, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm getting my name out there now if people haven't heard of me. Hopefully they will be hearing of me soon. And, you know, give us a follow social media and, you know, um, hopefully it'll be the start of something exciting because, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying putting on shows for people. I'm enjoying being in good entertaining fights. And, you know, if that's what you're into, then, then I'm the man to, to, to follow. 
Absolutely. And yeah, give the man a follow on Twitter at BradRay underscore at B-R-A-D-R-E-A underscore. That's where you can follow the journey. Listen, Brad, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, my friend. Best of luck, November 12th. Thanks for your time and we'll speak sometime afterwards. Top man, speak to you soon. Nice one, mate. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Just one piece of news to mention, actually. November the 26th in uh, in, in Carson, California, we're going to see the vacant WBC super lightweight world title contested for between Regis Progray, friend of the show, and Jose Zapida. Obviously, former world champion, really, really good fighter. You know, these are undoubtedly two of the best fighters at the way at 140, both southpaws. Um, yeah, it's a it's a brilliant fight. We haven't seen Zapida since he stopped um, Josue Vargas back in October of last year. So it's been quite a while since he's boxed. Um, I think Regis has had the one fight earlier this year when he boxed um, Tyrone McKenna. That was a fight I never even ended up watching. I think I was at a show in the UK at the time, and I think that one was in Dubai, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, um, all the best to Regis Progray, obviously, friend of the show, but that's a great fight there for the vacant WBC world title. One of these men gets to become a world champion once again. Um, Yeah, so that's that. Um, that's that. That's that. That's it for the news. So moving on to the preview part, we're going to start here with this one. It takes place at the South Bank Piazza in South Brisbane, Queensland, Australia. Over here, we will see Liam Parrow, 22-0, getting in with Brock Jarvis, 20-0. That one's for the WBO Global Super Lightweight uh, title there over 12 rounds. All the best to both men. Somebody's own must go. On the undercard, Dempsey McKean, 21-0, fights for the IBF Intercontinental Heavyweight title against Patrick Corte, who's 18-1-1. And friend of the show, Sky Nicholson. We had her on a few weeks ago, 4-0. She gets in with Christina Jacobs, 6-3 for the vacant Commonwealth um, featherweight title so all the best there to sky nicholson 10 two minute rounds there uh, moving out now to this one it takes place at the richmond hill in ontario canada over here um john long zhang the the oh i don't want to say that he's from china if he's not from china so let me just double double check that um yeah, I'm sure he is from China, Jun Long Zhang. Well, anyway, the, the reason this guy's a bit of a phenomenon is because he managed to get himself to 18-0 and with 18 KOs. Then he took a break from boxing for five years. He come back and then went the distance for the first time. So he's 19-0 and with 18 KOs. He's 40 years of age now, the six-foot-three-and-a-half southpaw. He is from China, and he gets in with a guy called Erdogan Kadrija who is 18 and 5, who's really a cruiserweight, um, been in there with a bunch of, I was going to say a bunch of nobodies till I saw Jürgen Bremer on his record, he got knocked out by Jürgen Bremer in 2019, I didn't even know he was still fighting in 2019, he got knocked out by him in just two rounds, um, yeah, it's going to be good to see Zhang out once again, um, it's not Zilly Zhang, but it's another Zhang, another Big Bang Zhang. Uh, moving out now to this is this is a crazy one, Eddie, as well. This is gonna definitely catch you by surprise. Um, it's taking place at the Arena Roberto Duran in Panama. Over here, 
I didn't think we'd ever see him in a boxing ring again. And a lot of people were very, very shocked when the fight got announced. He doesn't have an opponent just yet, but he's back over eight rounds. We're going to see the return. He's at 140 here as well, by the way. The return of the axe man, Nicholas Waters. He hasn't been seen since quitting on his store against Lomachenko six years ago. And of course, back in those days, he was a super feather. And he's now at... Super lightweight at 140. No opponent just yet. Be great to see him back in the ring, though. What a fighter he was in his day. Um, madness, madness. I love it. Uh, moving out now to the O2 Arena in Greenwich, London, United Kingdom. We're going to go through this card extremely quickly because we completely did a preview of it. And then the Queen passed away and the event got cancelled. And the card has, has has stayed exactly the same. So there's no movement with the fights. We've completely previewed it. So if you're sad about that, then go back a couple weeks and listen to um, to the preview part that we did. Uh, so I'm going to rush through it really quickly. I'm going to kind of read out all the girls and just give my predictions really briefly. Um, yeah, so we've, we've given these ladies the due respect. Uh, when the fights were first announced, um, April Hunter five and one gets in with Erica Alvarez three and six. That's over six two-minute rounds. Sarah Liegman five and zero oh, gets in with Beck Connolly, who's three and fifteen. That's over six two-minute rounds. There, I can see Liegman winning that maybe on points, maybe by a stoppage. I think Connolly, you know, she's tough, but also she gets hit so many times clean. Um, it's hard to kind of back that one there. April Hunter possibly to win on points. Lauren Price one and zero gets in with Timmy Abelik, who's six and six. That's over six two minute rounds there. Um, I think Lauren Price she didn't get a stoppage on her debut. I don't know. Maybe a stoppage here. Maybe points. I'm not sure. Uh, this one's interesting. There's some good money on this one. Karis Artingstall one and zero. She didn't get a stoppage in her debut, so she hasn't got a stoppage yet. She gets in with Marina Sarkarov. Who is five and sixteen with two draws? She's a journey woman. It's over six two-minute rounds, but she's only been stopped once in sixteen losses. So I would say Artingstall probably beats her on points. Could of course be wrong, but that's there's some decent money on that one. I think you can almost get back half of your stake on that one. So it'd be great to throw it in with a few other bets. Um, Ginny Fooch as well, one and zero oh with one KO gets in with. Gemma Rug, who's four and oh, sorry, five and four, never been stopped though. It's going to be interesting there. Will Fuchs get the knockout or will she go to distance? I think they're expecting her to go to distance. We've also got Georgia O'Connor, who's two and oh, getting in with Joyce Van E, who's two and oh, with a draw. Somebody's O oh, must go over six two minute rounds there. We've got friend of the show, Shannon Ryan, two and oh, getting in with Butra El Quasi, who's three, two and three. That's over six twos. Uh, Shannon Ryan, will she get her first stoppage? We shall see. Um, another one I can really see going the distance here. Ebony Jones, 2-0 with a draw. Six two-minute rounds against Vanessa Caballero, who's 4-15 and 15 with three draws. Doesn't often get stopped. Ebony Jones yet to score a knockout. Um, she looks like a light puncher as well, and she's a really good mover. Like She's a good boxer as well. So I think... Um, Ebony Jones wins out on points, so that's an interesting one there. Caroline Dubois, 3-0. I think she's got two of the ladies out of there so far. Six two-minute rounds here against Milena Koleva, who is 10-14 with a draw. I'm not too sure about that one. It could go either, uh, either way in terms of a knockout or, or a points win for Dubois. Um, Clarissa Shields, 12-0. 
Um, getting in with Savannah Marshall, 12-0 as well. Somebody's O must go. It's the undisputed fight, IBF, WBA, WBC, WBO. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I think Savannah Marshall wins. I don't think Shields is um, going to get a decision over here if it's close, and I don't think she's going to obviously knock out Marshall. That's absolutely not going to happen. I can see Marshall stopping Shields, and I can see Marshall winning on points. And if I had to pick... I would say Marshall will probably win on points. Um, I can see her being the aggressor. I can see Shields boxing off the back foot. And if she does that, by the way, that's the end of it. She's not going to be getting a decision boxing off the back foot in the UK. I don't see it happening. Um, especially over two-minute rounds. Like I just don't see it happening. And then, obviously, the other fight on the card, the co-main, Michaela Mayer, 17-0, friend of the show. She gets in with Alicia Baumgardner, 12-1. It's for the IBF. IBO, WBC and WBO World Super Featherweight titles. Um, um, yeah, again, I said at the time, I think Michaela Mayer would win on points. I still think she's going to win on points. Baumgartner looks such a specimen as well. Unbelievable shape she's in. Um, you know, very muscular build. But, yeah, I don't think... I mean, I think she could probably punch a bit, but it's nothing Mayer hasn't seen before. I think Mayer's too well-scored. And she should win. So that's my brief rundown of it all. Again, we've we've mentioned every female fight on the entire card. And I gave it a more kind of in-depth preview a few weeks ago when it was announced. And obviously it was pushed back due to the Queen passing away. And I think that Boxer, by the way, Ben Shalom, have done a fantastic job of getting it rescheduled so quickly. And... Um, you know, the new date was rumoured at the time, and then they stuck to that date, and then it was announced again, and then all the fighters are back over here from the US now, so it's a brilliantly quick turnaround for everyone involved. Um, yeah, that's it for that one. Moving out now to the Olympia in Liverpool, Merseyside, United Kingdom over here. Friend of the show, Jazza Dickens, 31-4, and four, gets in with Lorato Dlamini. Um who is 18-1. I haven't seen Dlamini before. It's a name I don't think rings a bell with me. But it's for the vacant IBO featherweight world title. All the best there to Jazza. Moving out now to the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, USA over here. Going to start with the undercard, I think, over here. Um, there's a guy called Gergen Hovanesian who's 3-0. This is a really interesting one for for me. And, um, you know, for, for for I guess, some of the hardcores. 3 and 0 free KOs. 6 foot 7, 24 years of age, from Armenia, now residing in in LA. Um, he's 3 and 0, like I say, with free KOs. First round, second round, second round. He's been in with um, Jesse Bryan, who I think is probably the most established of the three opponents he's been in with, who isn't fantastic, but it is what it is. And he jumps up in class massively here against Michael Polite Coffee, who's 13-2. and two. He was looking brilliant, especially when he knocked out Damani Rock in three rounds. And then he had those back-to-back -back really weird losses and unexpected losses to massive underdog Jonathan Rice. He got knocked out in the first one, then he lost in the return on, on uh, points over 10 rounds. So... He completely derailed um, uh, Michael Politkoff's career, and you know he was a prospect that a lot of people were saying, "Oh, this guy's this guy's maybe something special." But Jonathan Rice completely derailed his career. He come back with a first round knockout after that, and now he's on the B side of this card here against this guy who's three and zero with three KOs. Um, I, I'm going to be honest, I don't really recognise the name. I don't know how. 
I don't know. I don't, I don't really recognise the name. I know as a as an amateur, he, he beat a couple of decent people. Jose Lard, uh, Lardway. Um, he got in there with uh, Jalalov, lost to him. Um, but yeah, that that win against Jose Lardway is a, a, a good win. Um, been in there with Justice Hooney. I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm missing something here. But yeah, Michael Polite Coffee is quite a big underdog as well. So if you expect him to get it done, then yeah, there's some money to be made there. Um, moving up the card, Frank Sanchez, Eddie, a Cuban who looks like uh, he he ages like milk. Um, he gets in with Carlos Negron, who's 25 and three. It's for the WBC Continental America's heavyweight title. Carlos Negron. Um, I think we've seen a couple of times getting in there with uh, losing some of his big fights, didn't he? Lost to Dominic Brazil. Um, oh, I can't remember who else I've seen him in with. He's been in there with a few guys. Derek Rossi, your former foe. Um, but yeah, uh, Frank Sanchez, it's really all about him. Like I say, 20-0 and 0 at this point. Um, good string of wins in recent times against Christian Hammer last time out, but unanimously over ten didn't didn't get him out of there, which was a bit surprising. The one before that against Effia Jagba took his O. He's in good form, the Cuban Eddie, who is listed at thirty years of age. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's listed at thirty. He might be thirty. <laughs> no, um, yeah, but he's he's he's. Uh, he shows good flashes, a really a, a lot of good flashes of uh, of the goods as a heavyweight, especially. Um, there's talent there. There's obviously the Cuban school of boxing there, but always was with my beef with him, especially, like, especially in the fight with Evia Jagba. He was so it was almost like at points of the fight, even though it was two really, really like dangerous guys, it was looking like. You know, I almost say they weren't even going to throw. <laughs> they weren't trying to really throw any punches. There was a lot of posturing, a lot of movement from from Frank Sanchez, and I'm and I'm not going to blame necessarily FAA Jagba for uh, the for the lack of action. Uh, it was more Sanchez using his his rain his uh, his speed his his footwork and his ability. Um, and look, at the end of the day, I understand, and, and they always say this in boxing: look good the next fight. Win this one, look good the next one. You know what I mean? So I kind of understand his his reasoning for for doing what he did. He wanted to stay away from the puncher. He wanted to box. He wanted to win. But it then you watch him in other fights and you see the pattern. And as the fights go on in his career, uh, Frank Sanchez, they're going to get bigger. They're going to get more difficult. They're going to get to where he needs to find a way to win. And I think that's going to probably add to the dullness of some of these fights. That's unless, of course, he gets in there with somebody who's going to make him fight. And then we're really going to see who he is as a fighter. You know what I mean? Um, I think he's extremely talented. He's got the ability. He's got the speed. He's got the skill. he got all that stuff. Um, but he's, he's, he's got to punch a little bit more. And here, yeah, I know you're hearing me say it. And, and I'm not a person that throws, throws a whole, whole lot of punches. But the, but the reality of it is I stay in range. And I definitely at least let my hands go at times. I'm a more I'm more defensive oriented, but I'm still in position to punch. And that's what I think he really needs to adopt. He has to use his ability for for good sometimes, and not just for evil. <laughs> as far as for the fans is con- are concerned, you know what I mean. They're a little more fan friendly, but at the end of the day, if you can't, if if you, defensive responsibility is at the at the top of my priority list, but you still got to make it watchable. 
And I think he'll struggle if he doesn't do that in the future. And elsewhere on the card as well, we've got Gary Antonio Russell, one of the many Gary Antonio Russell, not not Gary Antonio Russells, one of the many Gary Russells that are, that are uh, knocking around in boxing. Friend of the show, I've had all the Gary Russells on. Um, <laughs> Gary Russell Jr., who I guess you'd you'd uh, say is the more known one, obviously got dethroned recently by. Um, Oh man, by the uh, the Filipino fighter, forgot his name. But anyways, um, yeah, Gary Russell Jr. Gary Russell Jr. is kind of cool. He's kind of, um, you know, what's the word? Spiritual. They're really spiritual. The Russell brothers, man, all of them, especially as well. Um, Gary Antoine Russell. He's extremely spiritual. He's, you know, once they get going, it's almost hard to get them off the phone. Um, I feel I feel like Gary Antoine Russell's very deep. Um, Gary Antonio Russell, um, who who fights here, I, I think he's probably the more kind of soft spoken one. Um, doesn't have the hype really of, of of the other two. I think obviously the you know Gary Russell Jr. being you know a world champion, being on some people's pound for pound lists at some point, um, not anymore of course. Um, he's obviously got a lot of hype around him, and then. You had the other brother, which um, knocks every single person out that he's been in with, so there's a lot of hype there. But Gary Antonio Russell's done things a lot quieter. Anyway, he's 19-0, really cool guy. He gets in with the um, the the former world champion, Emmanuel Rodriguez, who's 20-2. and Now, the thing I can't get my head around is that Gary Antonio Russell's a massive favorite. Now, the pair did fight or at least attempted to fight, back in August of last year, and it ended in the first round, and no contest due to a head clash. There was an accidental head clash in the first round. Um, So we never saw the fight play out. Since then, both men have had a fight. So Emmanuel Rodriguez knocked out Roberto Cantu in one round, and um, uh, Gary Antonio Russell went on to beat, by majority decision over 10 rounds, Alexandro Santiago, who... Um, who, you know, is alright, he's not fantastic, I don't think, so, I don't know, I just can't understand why Gary Antonio Russell's such a massive favourite, because Emmanuel Rodriguez, I mean, like I say, the record is 20-2, and two. really good boxer, great feet, good wins along the way, took the O away from Jason Maloney, got a good win against Paul Butler, you know, really good win against Paul Butler as well, um, you know, had him down early. And he's got those two losses which I mentioned. One was to Naoya Inoue, which, yeah, he absolutely got destroyed by Inoue in two rounds. And the other loss was to Raymark Gabayo in one of the worst robberies I've ever seen. I remember watching it and the commentators were saying, this is a shutout win over over 12 rounds. This is a total shutout for Emmanuel Rodriguez. They didn't even give Raymark Gabayo one single round out of 12, and somehow he won the fight, and it messed up my parlay that was about 100 to 1. All because of that, and I'm so annoyed about that. So he didn't really lose that fight. So his only real legitimate loss should be to Naoya Inoue. So I don't understand why he's been written off by the by the odds makers. But anyway, that is... Um, Hopefully going to be a good fight. Also on the card, I'm going to come straight back to you, Eddie. Caleb Plant, 21-1, and one, getting in with Anthony Durrell, 34-2 and two with two draws. A lot of people, and I was probably one of them, um, you know, there was, there, was, there was this kind of reputation that the Durrells had of getting out of fights and finding, way out, uh, finding ways out of fights. And, you know, not 
I guess, yes, in some ways kind of questioning the heart of both of the Durrell brothers. But I think Anthony Durrell, especially against David Benavidez, when I think about his recent fights, he showed the world he has huge, huge balls. And he could have stopped that fight, you know, (laughs) very early on. He was taking a beating by David Benavidez. Benavidez absolutely beat the life out of him. And he hung in there for nine rounds until he was stopped. Um, and yeah, he was he was really hurt. He, he had a bad uh, bad cut eye, and he carried on, carried on, showed tons and tons of heart. So for me, he's not this quitter that a lot of people have tried to label him. Caleb Plant, on the other hand, hasn't boxed since losing to Canelo. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he looks. You know, he he hasn't boxed since he was fighting really well up until the point when he got stopped in the 11th of the 12th uh sorry in the 11th round of a 12 rounder obviously and he was boxing really well trying to do that shoulder row shoulder row style um it's going to be interesting to see how he comes back here and i would say that you'd probably have to back plant for the points win he's a big favorite a massive favorite actually a huge favorite like I was a bit surprised with that as well. Like, Caleb Plant, something like, I think, like, maybe you might have to put, like, $160 down to win just $10 back. That's how much of a huge favorite Caleb Plant is. So, I don't know how you see that fight, Eddie, but it's another one that I know um, you know both fights as well. Yeah, yeah. Interesting fight, though. You know, kind of interesting uh, looking at their previous fights, I mean, obviously, you look at Caleb Plant as being, a, you know, he had a better showing than than uh, than Anthony did with uh with his, with the fight with uh, Benavidez. But um, I should say that he has come back with two fights after that. He got a draw. Oh, against yeah, Kyron, okay, my bad. Yeah, he got a draw, a split draw against Kyron Davis, which was a bit kind of who is who is um, yeah. Kyron Davis at the time. But then he come back and. Fought well against David Benavidez himself, Kyron Davis, but was stopped in seven. So that was a draw, which wasn't great. That was like a really unexpected thing. And then since then, he's had one fight again. He knocked a guy out, Marcos Hernandez, in four rounds, who again was a guy that wasn't really fit to lace his boots. Right, right. Well, I mean, yeah. so of course, in this situation, you would, I think, smart money would be on Caleb Plant. And, you know, him being that big of an underdog, I'm not sure. But looking at their previous, their their recent fights, I guess you can say that, you know, obviously, you know, people would think Darrell's getting a little bit longer in the tooth. Caleb Blatt still, you know, you would think he's in his prime. You know, it makes sense. You know what I mean when you're thinking about who you're gonna back. Um, I don't know about that big of an uh, of, of a space, but uh, you know, I guess you can see it. Caleb Plant is a really really talented boxer. There's a lot of good things he's done, and he was in there with one of the best in the world at one point. And even, I don't know, even now, if he's still considered pound for pound best, which is who was Canelo, and he was holding his own in a boxing match. So you got to give him credit there. Um, but anything can happen in boxing. And uh, not too long ago, even though, like you said, there was a fight that uh, Anthony Durrell had where he, he threw this crazy uppercut, caught the kid, one shot, knocked him out cold, basically. You know, not cold, but he knocked him out. And those types of things can happen in boxing. Caleb Plant is not immune to getting hurt or getting caught with a crazy shot. Darrell has a hell of a hell of a background. He's a he's he's a top level guy. He's been around for a while. He understands certain things. There are he could throw a monkey wrench in this whole thing for for Caleb Plant. So it's not impossible. But the way I see it is, I see Caleb Plant, uh, you know, 
outlasting him, you know, over the long haul, uh, uh, taking the, taking, winning the boxing match, you know, 12 round points decision. I would, well, wait, how many rounds? Is it 12 rounds or, yeah, yeah, or 10? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, um, oh, you've caught me off guard now. It is a Sorry 12. About that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would, I would see it a 12 round points decision for Caleb Plant. You know what I mean? And, and as the fight goes on and starts to get a little deeper, I think he probably takes over a little toward the end. But, um, but it's, but it's not impossible for for uh, for Anthony Durrell. He's a good, good, strong, tough guy. You know what I mean? Skilled fighter. It's been around for a long time, and he has the goods. You know, it's just that you know, is he is he going to be is he going to show that age? Is he going to is he going to show his wear and tear that he's had in some of these fights? You know, we don't know. But the smart money is to back Caleb Plant for the decision. Yeah, like I say, I agree. And then the main event, let's go. Let's go to it. Deontay Wilder, 42-2 and two with a draw. 12 rounds against Robert Hellenius, 31-3. and three. Um, Yeah, crazy fact. Deontay Wilder hasn't won a fight for almost three years when he was able to beat Luis Ortiz back in November of 2019. He's coming off two back-to-back knockout defeats to Tyson Fury. Robert Hellanius, in the meantime, is almost having a second coming of his career because, you know, he was just an opponent, just a B-side guy, even though he only has still to this day in, in total of just three losses. Uh, Johan Duapas, Dillian White and Gerald Washington. Um, but yeah, it was very much an, an opponent until he obviously was able to get in there as a massive underdog against Adam Kalnaki and stop Adam Kalnaki um, two times back to back. So he's in good form coming into this. But, but you know, I'm going to say this here. Adam Kalnaki, I don't know if some people just, you know, jump the gun with him, really. I mean, when you look at the guys that he beat, I suppose there was a couple names. You know, he beat um, Arta Spilkar, Charles Martin, Gerald Washington, Chris Ariola, building up to that Robert Hellenius fight the first time round, and now it seems like he's well and truly done. He's lost three and three on the bounce after being twenty and zero. But um, I don't know, you know, Robert Hellenius, Eddie. I don't, I don't think he, you know, he's he's done well to beat Kalanaki. He's done well to be in a big fight, get a nice payday here. But yeah, I don't think he stands a chance. I've seen some people bravely picking on Twitter that he might get the upset over Deontay Wilder. I don't know where you stand on that, but I don't see it. And it should be noted that these guys have done many rounds sparring together as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe maybe there's something that Hellenius and his people have seen and that maybe we don't. But but it's an opportunity at the end of the day. And don't get me wrong, you know, Deontay Wilder has never been accused of being the most talented, skilled fighter on earth. But what he does possess is that one thing that is very elusive for a lot of people. If you're not born with that, you, you, you tend not to get it. So, you know, if, as long as he is in a position to get hit with that shot, I think that is going to be disastrous. And I think Hellenius, he does have a little bit of schooling. I mean, you know, he's, he's, he's been around, he's, he's had some success, you know, obviously recently, you know, a little bit, Recently, he's had more success, but a little while ago, like you said, he, he was a bit of an opponent. He got put in position um, to lose some fights to some guys that maybe you would thought he should have beat, especially him now being in a position to get a shot like this. But um, I, I honestly, when I when I when I heard the fight being made, I said this kid's fight. This could be one of those situations where, you know, you can, I don't want to say get lucky. That's not fair. 
you know what I mean, to Hellenius and his abilities. I mean, he's he's he's, he's not awful. He's not a bad fighter. It's just that I don't see enough of a of a big shot from him that is going to get Wilder out of there and 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 and, it, and especially before Wilder is able to land detonate his shit on his chin. I just don't see it. I feel like eventually, and that could, it could be it could be in the first round. It could be in the fifth. I think that Wilder is going to end up catching him and he's going to end up stopping. And I think most, you know, conventional wisdom, most people will look at it and say, well, yeah, that's why he's taking him back in his first fight. He feels like, you know, this is, a, this is an opportunity for him to make a big splash really quickly, too, you know, by coming back in fighting a guy like Hellenius, who's, who's kind of hot, you know, I mean, with these, with these two wins over Kanaki. So, um, yeah, I, I don't see what they see necessarily, but Maybe they're just like, hey, look, this is the opportunity we wanted. This is an opportunity of a lifetime. It's a lot of money. This is probably one of the one of the biggest or no, the biggest payday he's gonna get. This is what, you know, this is what you fight for, you know, these kinds of opportunities. So why not take it? Um, if they are like you said, they must have they've done a lot of rounds. Maybe there was something in the sparring that he saw. Maybe he had some success in the sparring. And maybe he's figuring, well, hell, you know what I mean? Let me go out here and take my shot and see what I can do. One of the things that I love about boxing is the fact that triangle theories never work. They they literally never work. And um, obviously it should be noted that Robert Hellanius got knocked out by Gerald Washington in eight rounds. And Gerald Washington got knocked out by Kaunaki in two rounds. And Kaunaki got knocked out back-to-back by... Robert Hellenius, so it is funny. And by the way, while we're on that, do you know, Eddie, I'm going to give you some a quick little trivia here. Since you lost to uh, Gerald Washington in what was your final fight six and a half years ago now, um, do you know what Gerald's Wash- uh, Gerald Washington's record has been since he beat you Like in those fights since? He's had eight fights. Uh, man, good question. I can guess. So he's had eight fights. I would say he's either three and five or four and four. I'm gonna, he's, I'm gonna go four. He, he's three and five, and he's been knocked out in all five of those losses. And one of the guys <laughs> he beat in the three was was Robert Hellenius. Um Wow! Yeah. Wow! Yeah, yeah, that's tough. That's a tough. That's a tough go of it. But like you said, look at look at Hellenius and where he is at this point, and 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 and, and Gerald stopped him. You know, some some years back, isn't. <laughs> That's how, that's how boxing is, and that's how, especially heavyweight boxing, all it takes is one. All it takes is one. It is true. Uh, that is that card. The final card to mention takes place at the Rod Laver Arena in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia, over here. It's the undisputed fight. Devin Haney, 28 and 0. An instant rematch against George Cambosos Jr., who is 20 and 1. Both guys have been on the podcast in the past. Both. Both relatively nice guys. Um, like I say, all the belts on the line, IBF, WBA, WBC, WBO. It's a rematch, really, that I don't think anyone wanted to see, apart from maybe the most diehard of of, of George, George Cambosos fans. I really like George Cambosos, by the way. Let me just say that one before I kind of grill this fight. Um, I really, really like him. I think that... Um, I think that he he he's he's got this this crazy self belief that I absolutely admire. 
And we saw it before he boxed Tiafimo Lopez. And he was adamant. Like, there's no way he surprised himself beating Tiafimo. He was unbelievable that night um, in New York. And, yeah, you know, he, he, he goes and fights Devin Haney. I always thought Devin Haney would be a bit too good. He would win on points. And, yeah, it looks like... Um, you know, we're seeing the fight again here, and as you said, Eddie, there hasn't been much uh, much talk about the fight. You know, you even said, is that this week before we started the show today? Because I don't think too many people are excited to watch it. It's going to clash with the Deontay Wilder card as well, by the way, um, to make matters worse. And there's probably not going to be many people tuning in to this one. But... Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's a rematch that's happening. Obviously, there was a rematch clause, and George Cambosos was able to get Devin Haney back over to Australia. So you can't really blame Haney, but I feel like we're going to see a repeat performance. I can't really see any other outcome, but maybe Haney might, might, might get the stoppage this time. Maybe. Nah, I'd say no. Probably points. Yeah, I agree. I agree points. Um, and yeah, the fact that it's clashing with Wilder, who's a... Who's a you know a guy that a lot of people want to see you know what I mean even even though you know he had his recent running with Tyson but you know most guys are going to lose to Tyson all guys so far have lost to Tyson Fury so you can't you know you know fault him for that but yeah it's just a fight it's hard to see the reason for the rematch it was just so dominant and and it was so clear you know like a lot of people didn't think he would you know did he. There were people that were probably looking like, eh, you know, the real diehard boxing people, you know, fighters. And it was looking like, yeah, he's not going to be able to beat Devin Haney before the fight. But when it went down and you just saw how dominant Devin Haney was in the fight, it's like, it's just like even the most confident fighter would go back and think, like, do I really want to do this again and go through this again at home? in front of my fans get beat like that, like like soundly beaten like a drum. Not that he was, you know, knocked out or knocked down or literally drugged through the mud like that, but he was soundly beaten, outboxed at every at every turn. Every once in a while he land, you know, he would land something and you could see the, the the guy, the people try to get behind him, but it was just it was just it was just not gonna be enough. Not even to 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 win a round or two. It's just it's just hard to see the need for a rematch. And then he didn't really give any excuses that I remember. So it's not like he had an injury or any issues, really. You know, yeah, he missed the weight the first time, but then he was trying to say like the art of war and you know tactics. I'm, I'm trying maybe I'm trying to maybe I didn't miss the weight. Maybe I did it on purpose. You know, stuff like that. So it's not really any excuse really that you can give him for getting beat like that. So it's like and then you were the man that held the titles before, and that's why you got the rematch. So, it, but it's like, is that is it really necessary to see this again? He has to really do something to prove that he deserved. It. Of course, he deserved it. He won the title before. He's a great guy. He was, even though it was quick, he was a good champion, a kind of kind of guy you would want to see. He captured your imagination, and you know, can talk well. You know, got them little accent with it too <laughs> you know what i'm saying so it's cool so it's cool but um when you watch the fight it's just like i i, I can't i can't see it i really can't i'm i'm struggling to find a way to to to, to even want to turn it on even though i'm a boxing guy you know i this has my, been my life for years and it's like when you see something that's a mismatch it's hard to watch and i'm uh, i'm pulling for the guy i like the guy 
I want to see him do well. You know what I mean? But I just don't think he has a, a real chance to win this fight. Um, unless he's a one-punch knockout guy overnight, I just don't see it happening. But, uh, hey, he wanted the opportunity. There's something he believes. He's going to get out there and he's going to try. And you got to give him credit for that. But I, I see Danny winning. Danny, Devin Haney winning all points. Yeah, me too. And on the undercard, um, a prospect that I think is certainly going places, Lorenzo Simpson, 11-0. He's in an eight-rounder against Marcus Haywood, who's 6-4 and four with a draw. Um, yeah, Lorenzo Simpson, a lot of people know, very good fighter. Um, elsewhere on the card, Andrew Maloney, friend of the show, former world champion, 24-2, and two, gets in with Norbelto Jimenez, who's 31-9 and nine with six draws. All the best there to Andrew Maloney. And his twin brother, Jason Maloney, they always come as a pair. 24-2, and two, you know, if they don't look alike... Uh, then they have the the uh, the exact same record, twenty four and two. But they do look alike, and they do have the exact same record. And they're both on the card. Um, so yeah, he gets in with Nawafon Kaikanha, who I know that you haven't heard of Eddie, and I know that most people listening to this haven't heard of. But you'd be shocked to learn he's fifty six and one with a draw, with forty six KOs. He's got one of the most padded records I've ever seen in my entire life. 31 years of age. He did at one point get the chance to box for a world title. He took the chance. He fought the guy um, in Bangkok. It was Juan Navarrete who was the champion back then in 2017. Um, in fact, he wasn't the champion. It was for the vacant title. And yeah, our man here with the brilliant-looking record, 56-1, and one, got knocked out in three rounds there against Juan Navarrete. So yeah, he's gone away. He's just banging out absolute, uh, you know, unknown fighters and yeah he is he is stepping up again here against jason maloney who is certainly one of the better fighters at his weight you know his losses come to emmanuel rodriguez we mentioned earlier and naoya inue um, when he i think took inue into the second half of the fight for the first time uh he took him took him seven rounds to get rid of jason maloney so yeah jason maloney should win that one and he's a massive um favorite as well against mr paddy record of thailand they do like to pad him out there i gotta say but anyway that is it for no 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 there's one one other fight to mention on the undercard as well actually shanika johnson 14 and 1 her one loss came by a split decision over 10 2 minute rounds to shannon o uh, Shannon O'Connell, who's fighting Ebony Bridges in December. That's her one loss. She's 14 and 1. She gets in with former world champion Susie Q. Ramadan, who I had on the podcast about three or four weeks ago. Um, her record, 29 and 3. Um, good fighter, really good fighter, but obviously been quite inactive. And yeah, this is a big, big fight here for the IBF World Super Bantamweight title. So all the best there to Susie Ramadan, who's about a 5 slash 6 slash. Uh, slash seven to one underdog so i'm hoping that she can pull the upset there ramadan uh, but anyway that is it for the preview part of the show in part one we did the review part there was quite a bit to go over then we welcomed our special guest mr bradley ray fantastic good guy and then in part two we did the news and the preview part just there the final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro which i'll do in just a few seconds 
Okay, and this wraps up episode 365 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge shout-out to this week's special guest, the undefeated middleweight prospect, Mr. Bradley Ray. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. That is about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.